0: In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, only time mentioned in the Bible, the word seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, For I am lost, Isaiah said, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. Verse 7, And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched her lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And God said, Go. Go. As I've mentioned to the young people in our youth group a couple of times, the Hebrew language is full of expression. It's so much righteously volatile than English is. So as we read verse 8, the Hebrew language says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, Here am I! Send me, Lord! Strange. Most of us, when we get a commandment like that, crawl under the pew and whisper, If you can find me, you might use me. That's the way I feel many times. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you in worship, and we want to obey your commands as a response of worship, and we do that just now. Thank you for these loved ones. We're a family, and we want to sit together and talk about your scripture, which is truth. And we do it in Christ's name, amen. You ever study the King Uzziah? He was an excellent king, nine-tenths of the time. And for some reason, toward the end of his ministry, after 52 years of reigning or so, some, for some reason, he ended up just full of pride and arrogant. And he walked into the temple one day even as king and walked into rooms he should have not been walking into or limited to even him. And he violated Old Testament Mosaic law and walked into these priestly rooms where he should not have been because of pride and arrogancy. And as he was in the temple walking around, God struck him with leprosy. Which was a deadly skin disease. And he walked out, white as snow, with leprosy. Which resulted in King Uzziah's death. Now what's interesting too is that Most likely, many, many commentators will say that uh, Isaiah's daddy knew Uzziah personally and were friends. Some commentators even say that Isaiah was a cousin to the king Uzziah. So for 52 years, Isaiah, being around 20 years old or so, mid-20s, during the Isaiah chapter 6 commentary here, narration, still young, brain still developing, doesn't fully develop until 25, mind still developing. Ask Penny. Isaiah w- was most likely. Uh, discouraged at the death of his friend Uzziah, despondent and probably doubted of what God was going to do now. For nine-tenths of the 52 years, Judah was coming back and rejoicing and worshiping rightly uh, Jehovah. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, Uzziah sinned, which launched Judah into another set of years of backsliding. Thus, we come to Isaiah chapter 6, containing God's call for a prophet to proclaim his discipline upon a nation or his mercy. To a sinning Judah. Some of you enjoy J.J.R. Tolkien's books, and you are fans and probably read and have watched The Hobbit An Unexpected Journey. In reading Frontier's uh, Mission International, little voice every quarter, I found that Rachel, one of their staff members, is a writer, and she wrote about the the Hobbit and uses it as an illustration of Isaiah chapter 6. So we read from her article In Frontiers, a Frontline Missions International. And Rachel wrote this article mainly for young adults in mind. But radical obedience for all of us who take up our cross and follow the one who said in Matthew 16, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So whether you desire to take good news to gospel destitute places or you are counseling someone who is considering going whether you are parenting or grandparenting with a passion for Christ and the nations or if you are taking a prayerful look <coughs> excuse me at gospel leveraging of your time energy and resources there's something here that will be challenging to all of us So I ask you to give me some minutes this morning and listen to what Rachel has to say about global ministry. After a tumultuous disruption of this quiet evening by a bunch of unruly dwarves, Bilbo Baggins is called upon to join them on a journey of great importance to rescue their people and their home. There in the Shire. However, he also discovers that there is a risk, a deadly risk, a fire breathing dragon to be specific. Furthermore, this grand quest would require upsetting his pleasant, predictable, and respectable life in the Shire. After considering the magnitude of the offer, he briefly loses consciousness there in his own home. Following which, he is seen sitting in his large, overstuffed chair and discussing the situation with Gandalf. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? I can imagine. You're, 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 you're thinking of this, right? And as he awakes, Gandalf says. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. When did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you? The world is not in your books and maps. It's out there. Bilbo responds, I can't just go running off into the blue. I'm a Baggins, a Bag End. Gandalf retorts. And you're also a took. T o o k. You'll have a tale or two of your own to tell when you come back. And Bilbo questions, "Can you promise that I will come back?" Gandalf says, "No, but if you do, you will not be the same." And Bilbo. Finishes and concludes the conversation. That's what I thought. (laughs) Till the Bilbo to the Bilbo Baggins Christian, the ugly temptation screams out, Remember your mother's doilies and dishes. Don't leave. Don't go. You have too much at stake here. I'm glad our missionaries coming this weekend didn't say that or think that. Rachel goes on to say in her article at age 20, The world seems open and exciting. We're eager to launch out and try anything and we long to bring words of good news where it has never been before. There's fresh zeal and joy, a willingness to be inconvenienced and little care of the potential losses because of the joy of the potential gain for eternity. Do you remember those days? Are you in those days? Rachel goes on and says, and by the time we hit our 30s, we have quit dreaming and are just hanging on as we change diapers, put food on the table, and peel the mac and cheese off the floor. Some of us are there. <clears throat> Our biggest life dream is simply to get one night of uninterrupted sleep. To make matters worse, we realize that we aren't the super Christians we thought we were in college, so we get discouraged. Discouraged. And we see that we can stay busy in effective ministry right where we are, which may be true. Huh. So why inconvenience ourselves when we can serve Jesus right here at home? Maybe we even start to rationalize about all the problems of imperialistic mission, and there was plenty work in the past and conclude that missionary work is better left entirely to the locals so why even think of going or serving in that capacity penny and i served 14 years in the land of david livingston what a joy and david livingston some years ago said If you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road to travel, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. By all indications and calculations, Isaiah was probably in his mid-twenties, as I mentioned already. And so he's very tender and impressionable. I want us to go back to Isaiah chapter 6, or as South Africans will call it, Isaiah. chapter 6, and notice in verse 5. What happens in verse five? And Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Now, to help you understand the passage a bit, it talks about a vision. It's using the word vision a couple of times in this passage. Excuse me, Isaiah. Isaiah is the same man that wrote all of the chapters of of this wonderful book in the Gospel in the Old Testament. He was the prophet that wrote all of this. <clears throat> and I am not here from this governing pulpit to try to convince you <clears throat> theologically that that we can't do anything or that this is a that this is an experience of isaiah's salvation as you and i are saved today that's not where i'm at however isaiah did understand enough that just looking at god the father jehovah and where he was sitting in the temple and the glory that was shining around about him It moved him, factually and emotionally. And he realized at that very moment, <clears throat> the, the, the uh, request or invitation of who will go for us hasn't been mentioned yet. And us there is the Trinity. It's not for the seraphim. It's not for the cherubim. It's not for the th- <clears throat> thousands and thousands of angels that he created. That's not what he's talking about. For us, who's us? God the Father, Jesus the Son, Emmanuel, and the Holy Spirit. Who will go for us, the Trinity? And Isaiah is moved by a moment of worship there in front of Jehovah. A vision, not a dream. This was actually happening. We're not sure where Isaiah was physically at the moment, whether he was ushered to a temple, whether he was standing in the desert or outside of his palace. As a son of a very wealthy man, Very soft hands. We're not sure where he was, but the vision was given to him, which is real, real. And so when a seraphim came down with a hot coal and touched his lips, it actually happened. But because Jehovah was in it, he didn't burn up. (laughs) Nobody called 911 when his lips went on fire. this was actually happening. He humbled himself as a sinner prior to the call or the invitation who will go for us. Job chapter 42 verse 6 says this, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes believer this morning Christian born-again brother and sister you know When I walk into a dark room when you and I walk into a dark room and there's a black light there And I walk in with this suit blazer on and I think whoa this looks nice I handsome this morning I'm not too handsome all the time, but I am with this suit on (laughs) And I walk into a dark room with this blazer on you know what will happen With a black light, purple light, you'll see all of these little white things on me here. I don't have enough hair to have dandruff, but there's that kind of stuff on this blazer. And it's at that moment when when he sees who is talking to him. Literally sees with his physical eyes. That he says, I'm a sinner. And Job does the very same thing in Luke 5.8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Secondly, I find in verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then he said, here am I. I will go, send me. He was burdened for the people. He was humbled as a sinner, and he was burdened for the people. I don't hear the word burden too many times in our churches today. We get around. I don't hear the word burden. Are you burdened for the lost? Is there something in your heart that says, these folks, I love them, they're my neighbors they're my workmates they're my teachers they're my schoolmates but they're going to a Christless eternity and I have a burden for them and that seems to be what happened here Paul agrees with this in Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 he says I'm speaking the truth in Christ I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. That sounds like a burden to me. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That's an expression of a burden. He would he'd rather go to hell than have his nation Israel. Go there. I will go, Lord. Please save my nation, Israel. <clears throat> Last Sunday night, we had an excellent, beautiful worship service with our teen group. Amen. Amen. They, they did a wonderful job <clears throat> serving the Lord in worshiping and serving us. I'd like to have Shannon come, and just for a couple, a minute or so, I'm losing time here, Shannon, so be a good boy. He's going to share what what I saw, uh, what we what they've been doing on Wednesday nights here in the ministry center in the youth room, and the kind of burden that this youth group has and our leaders today.
1: This past year in our leadership uh, training, we were uh, encouraged to share the gospel and pray f- for our youth and having a heart and a burden for the people around them in their schools and their workplaces and so one of the things we've uh, done for the last three weeks is we've uh, circled up and uh, before we get the night going and we pray for the lost um that is in our circle of our life whether that be in work where some of the kids have been working they've prayed for their um their managers um there's leaders praying for their managers that they work with um last week even uh Will and Jenny got up and mentioned some names of some kids that they've been uh, praying for opportunity for, and God's answering prayers in ways, and we even had this past year uh, a girl make a profession of faith in in our youth group, and just by hearing the gospel preached and taught in in youth groups, so continue to uh, just pray for our teens as they uh, lift up specific names of people in their world and and where they're at every day, so thank you.
0: Amen. That's a burden. Burden for people that are not going to heaven because they're choosing not to have Christ. Thank you, Shannon. <clears throat> and thirdly, in verse 8, he says, Here I am, send me. In other words, he's willing to go. So in worship, he's humbled as a sinner. He's burdened for people. And finally, he takes that action, puts the boots on the ground, and he goes, Here am I, send me. <clears throat> I'm going to conclude Rachel's article in Frontline Missions. Our Bilbo Baggins illusion breaks down here. After that fateful fireside conversation with Gandalf, Bilbo's mind and heart are captivated by this grand, exciting, deeply meaningful quest to rescue people. He is compelled by the glory of the work to get out of bed and join the journey. Let me read that again. He is compelled by the glory of the work to get out of bed and join the journey. But Rachel and I say this to you and me don't do what he did. Don't attempt and sustain your soul on the cheese puff diet of the excitement and apparent glory of mission work. I won't sustain you, she says. It won't sustain you, she says, in the tough places. God is clearly not attempting to recruit Isaiah based on the wow factory of the work. He compels him based on the wow factory Of his holiness. Are you with me? With his holiness. He alone is truly holy, separate, unique, one of a kind, utterly distinct in his beauty and perfection. The weight of his glory overflows and floods the earth with meaning. A missionary, you and I can say as we share the gospel with people in our community and people we rub shoulders with all the time, it's not so much I'm going to witness to you because you're going to hell. I'm going to witness to you and love you because Jesus told me to. And it's for his glory. Perhaps the most shocking thing about this whole passage is that Isaiah goes for it. Sure, send me. We don't know what he left behind, but the dishes and doilies Isaiah once held onto fell from view at the sight of his Savior. His vision of the Messiah and his worldwide work is still stunning. Behold, Isaiah writes, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel for he has glorified you Isaiah says in chapter 55 extensive travel and international experience are not prerequisites to missionary work a love for the gospel a faithful life an affirming church and a willingness to go are are and I'm standing here as the director of a short-term mission agency called Compass 2819. Extensive travel and international experience are not prerequisites to missionary work. It isn't. Does it help? Absolutely. <clears throat> Pastor and I talk quite a bit during the week. And I want you to know that the mission conference coming up this weekend started some time ago. Because he has a burden, as I have a burden, for people to pray for our missions around the world. And for us here in Northfield, Sagamore Hills, and Macedonia, and so on. So Sunday nights and during the office hours, we have been praying for the conference and for you and me. That we might be open to what our missionaries say. <clears throat> so, our conference began some time ago. And last week, if you've noticed, he hit a home run in this sermon that he had. And I'd like to have us listen to it again. Whoa, <laughs> oh, not all of it. Wow. Some of the people were starting to get up and leave already. <laughs> That's how much they love you.
2: <laughs> Two minutes. Here we see God's call and we see God's leading. And we see that God's direction is met by obedience on the part of these servants who are, who, who, yes, yes, they they know what, they know what they've gone to do. But man, they're not just bulldozing through this thing, you know, and sort of leaving God in the dust. I mean, they're on the move doing what they've been called to do. Paul has been called to take the gospel to the nations and he's on the move. And, and looking for the next place. And so here, and, but, but at the same time, there was a great sensitivity in his spirit to the leading of the Lord, to the direction of the Lord in all of this. And so, and so, you know, when God calls, he obeys. When God says no, he obeys. That's what led to the beginnings of this church in Philippi. That kind of sensitivity, that kind of obedience on the part of this, of this servant. You know, that, that really is no different today. That's not an old model to follow. God is in charge. He's in charge of his church. Yes, he's given an assignment. He's given a mission, but he is still in charge of that. And he gives his direction to his church. He gives his direction to his people, and he does it through his word. He does it through, through the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who is building his church. Not any of us. Jesus is building his church. He is the one who commanded, go make disciples of all nations. That wasn't some some church growth expert on a mission. That was Jesus who gave that command. And it's Jesus who said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. It is Jesus Christ who is the one who opens doors. It is Jesus Christ who is the one that can close doors. He is the one who has the right to say to any of us, I want you here, I want you there, and you, no, I want you over here. He has the right to do that. He is the owner of the church. Jesus Christ is the redeemer of the church, the savior of the church, the head of the church. And he has the right to tell any of us what he wants us to do and where he wants us to do it. That's true in our lives individually. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has the right to tell you what he wants you to do and where he wants you to do it.
0: God's message to Judah through the prophet Isaiah Isaiah, was repent from their lying, adultery, paganism, child killing, false sacrifices at the altar, murdering, gossiping evil lust and so on repent and come back to jehovah your father your your husband the kingdom is falling apart isaiah sees it's no different today read the newspapers listen to the news on tv most of us come to sunday service week after week and worship or do we While Isaiah's worship was through a vision, ours is through hearing the word preached and taught, singing, praying, and giving via the offering plate which is considered worship. What's stopping us from being obedient to his call? Two-thirds of the world's population, which is about 2.7, two-thirds, sorry, Uh, two-thirds of the world's population is unbelievers. One-third, 2.7 billion, knows the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Two-thirds of the world's population consequently then is going to a Christless eternity. Because they either, either haven't heard the name of Jesus or because they need to be convinced that Jesus is the only way. <clears throat> what are you and I doing about this? Oh, we're having a mission conference coming up next weekend. Oh, no, big deal. Can I suggest that we comply with the Apostle Paul's command in Romans 12, 1 and 2? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers talking to Christians by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and by the test by and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect <clears throat> our pastoral staff and our spiritual men and women in this church are saying to you, if you do not know how to do a Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're here to help you. We're here to teach you. We're here to talk with you. We're here to pray with you about it. We're here to disciple and to mentor you through a Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to come down here, and if God is moving in your heart and the Holy Spirit is telling you to come down, Christian, and and, and and present to yourself, present to us, yeah, I'd like to know all about Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Holy Spirit's working in my heart. I don't want to resist him. I don't want to retard him. I want to do what he wants me to do. Then you come. Let's pray. <clears throat> Blessed Father, we rejoice in the fact that as born again Christians, we can come and worship you uh, here at church and really anytime we want to, whether it's at home or work or wherever, school. We can worship you. We don't have to wait till Sunday morning. And I pray that as we worship you, biblically that we would respond biblically in this particular moment and season and time here am i lord send me use us we pray for your glory till jesus comes again we ask amen